and welcome to episode 77 of the Destroy the Brain podcast. I'm Andy Triefenbach. Patrick Wardkin. I am Ren Maddox. I'm Niles Maddox. I'm Yana Lightfoot. And on today's episode, we will be talking about James Wan's Malignant. This is the movie that came out, uh, well, it's been a few weeks now. Three weeks? Something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. that. September 10th. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you all have uh, gotten a chance to watch it because we will definitely get into spoilers. Um, we'll reserve that section so in case you haven't seen it you have fair warning but guarantee we're going to get into spoilers with this movie uh before we get into that we talk about what we've been watching uh in between the recordings of the episodes and uh before that we do some housekeeping so thank you to everybody that came to late at grain house shocker that was fun I forgot how cheesy that movie is. And I'll talk about it in what my what we've been watching comes up. But yeah, thank you guys very much for coming to Late Night Grindhouse's Shocker. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And next month, uh, we're going to do Demon Night. Per requests from Niles, but also me too. He's just happy I'm showing it. Hell I'm yeah. so happy. <laughs> I, I uh, started getting flyers together and I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound great. Late Night Grindhouse presents Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Night. So. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> just presents, presents, yeah, presents. Night, <laughs> Destroy the Brain presents Late Night Grindhouse presents Tales from the Crypt yeah. presents yeah. Yeah. Demon Lots Night. There we go. By Andy Treefenbach. Starring yeah. Billy Zane. Dot com. <laughs> Billy Hotcock Zane. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. I mean, did you see his thing come out of those pants in that movie? It was on fire. He's got a hot cock. Okay. (laughs) That may be true. Has anyone else seen this movie? I know what you're talking about. Down boy. Down boy. Speaking of hot cock, pride. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Pride this weekend. Did you guys have fun? I it was know. really corporate. You and Yana, oh, did you guys see. meet up? I didn't. I understand. left right before Yana got okay, there yeah. because I hadn't eaten all day and had to walk like another hour back to my car. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, we both parked pretty far. I made the mistake of parking way farther than Jeremy and had that uh, lovely walk, but it was nice. It was fun. It was a beautiful day, yeah. and I loved seeing all the vendors out and everyone local celebrating. So I liked seeing all of the the people it was more so like the the businesses it was just really corporate and cold it didn't feel like a party yeah Hmm. some of it was it was kind of like i like that some came out but it also i felt like some weren't really celebrating are you talking about like out outside of st louis brands you're talking about like bud light presents pride or something like is that what you're referring to there was a mm. late night grindhouse presents tales from the crypt presents (laughs) pride (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to step on any toes it just seemed like uh there were a lot of St. Louis businesses. Okay, so it was, lo- it was mostly local businesses. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it had to do with Pride. A lot of it was just people setting up a tent and then handing out their marketing stuff with yeah, the rainbow no. snapped yeah, on. They just it. wanted to be yeah. in, and it just, in the community <sighs> game, right? Which I mean, I'm I'm happy that these people are like. I mean, there's a part of it. Yeah, I I think there it's to be visibly supportive is the visibility is of course important. So I get where they're coming from, but I get where you're there also needs from to and, be relevancy, right? Yep. What are you? It, what it are all you felt doing like to, recruitment. Like uh, it yeah. felt like all these places were being like I don't know. Like felt here, like they here, were recruiting here, people. There were a lot of independent contractors from uh, MLMs there, so I thought oh. that was a little gross. Mm. <laughs> huh. Huh. So. So I just yeah. I have a lot of issues with a lot of That's things. That's not good. I have a lot of opinions. 
Yeah. Well, we got a podcast that you yep. can voice your opinions on. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. yeah it was a nice day. It was doggies. a beautiful day. There it were so many good dogs. I know. I love seeing all the good boys and girls. They were so cute. I played and cornhole. Theys. And theys, yes. Yeah. Theys and theirs. Mm-hmm. Play, played some cornhole at a brewery outside. It was, it was a beautiful day. Yeah. yeah we hung out in the hammocks for a bit. It was kind of nice. Read some more of my book. Um, Congratulations, you know. bud. Did you get like proud of you? I think I'm at like uh, 230 pages out of 330. So you're almost there. Home stretch. One more 62% year. says uh, Goodreads. <laughs> there you go. One more uh, year. I just, yeah, one more year. No, yeah, I, he'll get it. Actually, I've been in, in a better routine of like reading, you know, 10 pages, even though it doesn't feel like a lot. It's like, well, it's better than nothing. So, yeah. so my hope is to maybe finish it. <laughs> Hopefully the end of this week. We'll see. Oh shit! Wow. I'm setting a goal. I'm setting a goal live. I'm okay. So I you're will. on Friday morning. You are going to finish your book, yep. and then you're going to post this podcast. Yes. Okay. I can do it. Wait, which book I believe in you. This podcast. The so book what, he's been reading pop? for like seven years. Oh, okay. That what happens when you don't do it? Well, let's get it on record. What, what do I do? The you have to eat the book. <laughs> I have to eat the book. You can eat it one page at a time. I don't care how you do it, but you have to eat that whole book. Uh, it's actually. Do you think it'd be book. good with like barbecue? He can. He can take three years to eat it, but he's got to eat it. <laughs> I think if you like, just chew a page at a time it. while we're recording. Yeah. Like, oh, here's my uh, you know daily page. I mean, you need some sauce. I'll grab you some yeah. sauce to throw it down. I could finish that. That in a year, if I eat a whole page. I, do I think you can eat it faster than you can read it? Yes. I Absolutely. think you can eat Whoa. it. Whoa. Is that a dig? No. <laughs> no. That's not Son a very big a book. Bitch. All right. Well, if no. I put chocolate Look, sauce on that, no. you might. If you did a page a day, you would have finished it in less than a year. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're right. You're Simple right. math. Okay. All okay. Right. Enough of beating up on Andy. We love I will you. We love eat you. pages. We want apparently. you to read That's pages. That's the consequences. <laughs> the point is that we want you to read. Not consume. You're not getting consume your book at Consume with button. your brain and not with your mouth. I don't know what that voice was. Okay. Uh, So anyway, yeah, next late night greenhouse is Demon Night, and that's October 15th and 16th. And if that wasn't enough, on October 14th, we're doing Horror Trivia Night at the Heavy Anchor. You can register at HorrorTriviaNight.com. Only local peoples. Or, you know, if you're going to be in St. Louis on that night, you can play. But we're not doing virtual. I mean, don't tell somebody they can't, like, fly in to do trivia. Yeah, you can fly in. They can. Yeah, make sure you... uh, Register on HorrorTriviaNight.com. It's $10 per team, up to five players. So one player team is 10 bucks. Five player team is 10 bucks. So, you know, do that with uh, that information. What you will, we'll have prizes. And uh, we do have some curveballs in this one. And probably for the better, for those of you that think our Horror Trivia Nights are difficult, uh, 100 bonus points if you just... If your whole team comes in costume, so that's pretty easy. And then we have a uh, what we're calling a no-brainer round. This I'm not going to spoil it, but it's fun. It is fun. <laughs> I've actually been part of the process of planning this for like the first time, and I'm pretty much there just to make sure they we're don't track. To, they well, <laughs> you're on track, and that you don't make it too impossibly hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to make it as fair for everyone because I want people that know things. To feel like they are like, you know, the champion of they're the reward- game. Yeah, yeah they're, they're rewarded, rewarded for by their years of knowing certain things. But <laughs> at the same time, I don't want somebody to be like three questions in like, well, fuck this. Throw their <laughs> throw the board at us. 
There have been times because I sit, you know, in the back. Yeah. Uh, I hear people who are definitely newcomers to yeah. the whole situation and they're just like, oh, f- what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, this is an American horror story. Y- yeah, yeah. It's definitely more than just Freddy and Jason. Yeah. And the stuff that is Freddy and Jason, <laughs> you better know your shit. <laughs> Mask math. Oh, no, that. it's the worst. <laughs> Mask <laughs> math. Absolute Ugh. worst. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so uh, we blocked out pretty much that whole weekend. So the 14th is Horror Trivia Night. The 15th and 16th is Late Night Grindhouse. So super stoked. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at DTB Horror and on Instagram at Destroy the Brain. Also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Destroy the Brain. Check out our Facebook group, Facebook.com slash groups slash DTB podcast. Or better yet, join our Discord, Discord.DestroyTheBrain.com. Okay. Let's shut the fuck up. And Patrick, what'd you watch? So I rewatched Ed Wood. Yeah. Uh, Love probably it. Probably one of, might be my favorite Tim Burton film. If you haven't seen it, it's a comedy biopic um, about famous B-movie legend uh, Edward D. Wood Jr. He directed uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space and Glenn or Glenda and... <laughs> Basically, all these movies that were famous for being so bad, they were good. But right. it's a it's a very I really love this movie because it's I think it's got a great cast. I mean, uh, Bill Murray's in it and uh, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, Martin Landau does a really great performance Fantastic. as uh, yeah. Bella Lugosi. Did he win a Golden Globe or was he just nominated for an Oscar? For I that? think, he, I can't remember if he won or if he was just nominated, but I know he was nominated for an Oscar for a uh, supporting actor, I think. Yeah. But, uh, I love this movie. It's I, I wanted to watch something that was not quite horror yet. I mean, obviously I had my horror watches going on, but I was like, I like this movie a lot because I like movies that are about making movies, but this also has enough of that horror vibe going yeah. through. Like even from the opening credits, like when the camera's going through the cemetery and you've got like the cheesy UFOs in mm-hmm. the sky and stuff yeah. and like the big octopus creature. And, yeah. Um, but it's so great because it's like it, it shows like, you know, Ed's an outcast and he strikes up this friendship with Bela Lugosi and... You know, he's just failing and failing throughout his career. Uh, and then, you know, he kind of finds these quote unquote oddball uh, friendships with with different people and uh, including Vampira. And that's, you know, she's she's awesome. That's uh, Lisa Marie who plays her. And uh, but it's it's really cool because like it's kind of it's a very uh dare I say sweet film I yeah. would say because like it, it, it handles the subject matter very nicely it, it handles the subject matter very nicely because it's just like all these kind of social outcasts kind of coming together and uh, and what I love about it as well is uh, uh, you know even though he he doesn't quite recognize that he's a bad director but even at the end you know when he has his big film premiere like he's just so happy and proud of himself and like even though his legacy goes the way it did you know with him not really being regarded as a great director uh 
he was just a guy who loved making movies. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's definitely, you can tell that it's like Tim Burton, like it's a work of love. Like it's not like other Tim Burton films where he like takes something that either already exists or, and makes his own spin on it. He literally just wanted to tell the true story behind like old time Hollywood. How can you make movies if you just have a passion for making movies? And, um, you know, even like we had talked about like Larry Cohen, like it's kind of that same mentality. Like I just want to make movies, so I'm going to figure out how to do it. And that like gumption to like figure out who to talk to and maybe who to not swindle, but like get them invested and stuff. I thought that was really cool. And then, yeah, the Bella Lugosi part is just like heartbreaking. Oh yeah. But really good. Their friendship is like so good. And, uh, And what I love is that, you know, Tim said he never wanted to make fun of him, you know, making this movie like it was more of like a it was an ode to him. It was a tribute to him and uh, just like a love letter to those movies that he grew up watching. And uh, I like how the the humor is very offbeat. I would say it kind of almost reminds me of like a John Waters movie. Very much so. Yes. How it's like not dark humor, but it's it's just offbeat kind of humor that you wouldn't really see it in a, I, I think, uh, the screenwriters, uh, God, I forgot their names. Uh, Larry and Scott. Yeah. So they, they're the guys that did the, um, Dolomite biopic. Mm. Bio right, 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 right. That's right. Um, yeah. there's child. actually been, <laughs> it's funny because there's actually been some debate on how you say biopic or biopic, biopic, but Scott Alexander and, uh, Larry, Kurzuski, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, we're not butchering his name, but yeah, they they worked on a lot of stuff. Um, also, I want to just make sure we get it correct. Martin Landau actually won the Golden Globe and the Oscar Ooh, for wow. his role. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, but I, one thing I think is interesting is that uh, Tim, his next movie was Mars Attacks, and with that movie, he was kind of trying to make an Ed Wood movie. Yeah. And, yeah. Which was also written by uh, Larry and Scott. Can't say their names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they also worked on, they worked on a couple of biopics, sort of. Um, Man on the Moon. They, you know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Big Eyes, which oh, is based yeah. on Big the true Eyes. story. Yeah. Another Tim Burton thing. That was a sad one. Yeah. It, we saw a trailer sad. for it. I it's still good. have never seen it. It's good. It is yeah. good. A lot of that, is trepidation. I just don't want to get sad. You should just watch it with Nikki. I I think yes. we're going to. That's a good so. one to watch mm-hmm. with the with the lady. Lady, I am out. So anyway, Edward recommend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rin, what you got? Uh, so as we have previously mentioned, we have been watching a lot of In Search of Darkness, and one of the movies that was brought up in part one or two, who knows, after like 50 hours of watching that whole thing, uh, they mentioned Dress to Kill, which they said had a lot of sensitive subject matter, and it was pretty interesting. Uh, it starts out with a housewife who is clearly sexually frustrated within her marriage and she has like a chance encounter and a little little quick fling and then is swiftly murdered quite brutally and then her murder is seen by a sex worker who was in RoboCop the uh, director's wife yes yeah yeah (laughs) just wild Uh, Nancy Allen Nancy Allen who is then implicated in her murder 
So it was just so much going on. But what I liked about this movie is that it was De Palma, which means that it was like a Hitchcock movie, but it was also a giallo Mm. and it was really pretty. I really enjoyed the style. Um, There is ongoing conversation about, excuse me, transsexuals and just the way they discuss things is very different from how just gender and sexuality are discussed now thought it was interesting for the time came out in 1980 yeah i mean uh, technically it was pretty forward um and i think that's why it almost seems like they're doing too much explaining because as we exist now this wasn't something that you literally needed to write out the like definition multiple times in the movie they try to explain what it is they use like a donahue episode and then like uh, yeah it's just i think it was something when it came out, probably was like, <gasps> and then but now looking at it, it almost looks like an exploitation of the thing. A bit, but yeah, just because um, of the way everything ended, where right. they're like, oh, well, the male part of this person and then the female part of this person. And it's like, ah, I think you're confusing things. Right. <laughs> that's not quite. That's more like borderline personality disorder and, that, and that's the way they like were viewing it in this movie. So I can see how that would be. Um a little difficult to make today. I mean, it's there's really a gray area, right? Because right. they are so repressed. Mm-hmm. It, it, what they're at least in the I movie, mean, being what they gay ex- is bad enough. Then, sure. right? Whatever they were trying to say, I'm just saying that at that time, they were trying to explain that because his repression, he was driven mad by it, right? Like right. it's the I can't be myself, so now I'm gonna have to leash out unleash him. I actually created another person within me to unleash my fury of being repressed. Uh sleep sleep or uh yeah sleepaway camp. Yeah. They did the same thing. I know. It's just reversed. It's wild. A little bit. I don't know. She was I mean, forced to be a girl yeah. and she Sleepaway was actually camp has that's like a traumatized child who's right. lashing out, which is like completely different. But like they I just think it's the same kind of ex, if you want to look at it, it's like the same type of exploitation. Like, yes, the reason for this murdering is because this person can't be who they f- feel they are. Right. 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 Yeah. Michael Caine. Yeah. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Best way to say Michael Caine and Michael Caine accent is just saying Michael Caine. No joke. Right. <laughs> uh, Dress to Kill. I I actually have mixed feelings on it. I, I like it, but then there's times where I think it's a little bit of a slog. But really interesting stuff is... Um, the poster is actually done by the guy who did the late, I guess it's late eighties, Dr. Caligari, the guy who directed oh, that. And mm. if you've ever seen that movie, yeah. uh, it's pretty dope. And if you haven't seen that movie, Mondo Macabro's putting it out, I think probably early next year, I would highly recommend everybody check that out because that was kind of like a midnight movie and it is bonkers. But, um, do you, uh, I mean, what don't you like about it? So I feel like some of the middle, you know, once you get past, I'm trying to be as vague as possible, but once you get past the psycho opening, (laughs) um, you know, I I think there's a lot of, I I do like the discussion that feels more relevant and maybe more current now Yeah, as far as like transsexuals and stuff like that. But but, um, I feel like it kind of loses its footing for maybe like 15, 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and that's always off-putting to me. Um, But I I will say that when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, it's all right. 
And then when I saw it again, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm appreciating this movie more. So maybe I just need to watch it one more time. I would say, yeah, I've I seen own, it. I, I want to say I own the Criterion release and I maybe even do. the regular one. I bet it's even sealed. We, the I mean, Criterion <laughs> release is yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah. We busted. I, I just bought it. Cause I, this would be probably my fifth time watching it. And okay. I, so my, one of my favorite things is, and you said like the Hitchcock psycho scene basically but the way he the way he did it completely reversed the narrative where the person in the shower knows the killer's there yeah yeah, and and what the fuck are you gonna do you're in a fucking shower Mm -hmm. like you're You're in in the most vulnerable yeah you're naked wet in a bathroom how are you you going to defend yourself from this position and i that whole just letting that linger and you're just sitting there waiting to figure out what the fuck is she gonna do (laughs) knowing that michael kane is right just slowly turning yeah uh i just i thought that was pretty genius i mean he i like him as a director and that's really what it comes down to 100 percent. i'll watch any de palma film and i know he's you know the fact i haven't watched passion oh yeah (laughs) um i just think it's like he's so aware of who he is and like he's like you know when he's asked you know what was it like to just rip off hitchcock and he's like I mean, why wouldn't you rip off Hitchcock? Like, Hitchcock stopped making yeah. movies, so I gotta. I had just kept doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm cool with it because, yeah. like, he, you know, if he's Hitchcock 2.0, it's funny because, like, that was during a time when, like, even Argento was called the new Dario yep. or Dario Argento, new Hitchcock. Dario Argento was called the new Dario Argento, but the new uh, Alfred Hitchcock. So yeah, it's it's funny how like when it came to um advertising a movie as a thriller not a horror movie right they always like oh when's the last time you saw a hitchcockian thriller right and then that also became that would have been a cool team up with argento and de palma oh i want to say like argento was on one of his sets or de palma was on one of his sets yeah they're just so similar but yeah, yeah they are very similar um Argento is just more into convoluted plots for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. Make them as confused as possible. Yeah. You're going to have to rewatch this to understand what happened. Yeah. No, you know what? I might actually add that to the, to the October rotation. Cause I do want to rewatch that. The more and more we talk about it. Cool. Um, the female lead made the movie. It's this just Dickinson? insanely yeah. smart yeah. and funny sex worker who is no, just Nancy, oh, Nancy, Nancy Allen. Allen yeah. She was great. She's got multiple phones. Automatically means she's important. She's making all kinds of decisions and being different people to everybody around yeah. her. Just making sure that she's able to live her life. For some reason, I love that. Um, but the weird part about her is that she completely befriends this teenage boy. And then they like, I don't know, have like sleepovers and shit. That like, that, oh, that, no. that oh, no. makes me no, feel. No, they were... They were a couple after that. Mm. Just saying. <laughs> I get that she's probably only like 10 years older than him, but yeah, like he is a old. fucking minor. We do not know how old she is. She right. could be 19 years old. Right. We have no idea. Right. But she's got a head on her shoulders because let's be honest, she's introduced talking about stock and yes. <laughs> what she should invest in. You think in. she's just a business lady. Yeah. You're just you like, out she's oh, an independent okay. business lady. <laughs> <laughs> I got to call my broker. <laughs> I'm a hustler, baby. <laughs> Cool. So recommend, yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Even if it's a little iffy for nowadays. Mm. Yeah. It's forward for the time. Yeah. 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 Cool. 
Niles, what you got? Um, so I borrowed uh, Lady in White from Andy's video, and this was actually my second time watching it. First time, I think I made the mistake of watching it at night, and oh. it's a sleepy one. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's a slower movie. It's a slow-paced movie, but watching it like the first week of like fall, mm-hmm. it's nice and sunny outside, but the weather's getting a little bit of that hint. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect daytime watch. Um, it reminded me, I mean, just because of his age and how it was shot, it reminded me of my childhood growing up, elementary school kind of stuff, the like cubbies. And I like, I swear we knew, I knew that closet. Like, what do you got locked in? I was like, that's the same closet for my, my elementary school. Mm. So, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a really, really cool movie atmospherically. Um, it has a lot of very aggressive topics like, um, child abuse and things of that nature. So it's kind of tough at times. Cause you're like, wow, this is part of it feels like you're watching a kid's movie. And then yeah, the other half does. is like, yeah. it's kind of like, like you're watching it, but like, and they kind of talk about how that character did some bad things to children, but you never really see it or, yeah. but like you actually see like the little girl get strangled and like carried away. And yeah, I mean, it does look, I, I got into that movie when I was a kid yeah. because it was on HBO or something. And, or, and my mom and I watched that pretty religiously every October and you're right. It evokes the perfect mood mm. for like, oh, it's not Halloween outside. I'll put on Lady in White and it'll feel like Halloween. Um, I I absolutely love this movie, but it's odd because like, yeah, it, it starts off kind of family friendly. Yeah. And then there's moments where it's not so family friendly. And then like once it gets into the whole race like subplot, then it's like, Oh shit. Okay. But I do still think it's, if you're a teenager and you watch this movie at this time, I think that is the best age to probably watch it. Is it based on a book? No, but it's, it feels like it's based on on a book. It's based on a couple of different stories, um, from the director, Frank LaLoja. Um, he lived in upstate New York, um, Astoria, I think if I remember. So the Goonies, no, no, <laughs> no. But um, I want to say that like it's based off of a real urban legend of the lady in white yeah. who's always looking for the daughter by the cliffs. That's it. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's, that's really all they based it on. And you know what that reminded me of? Oh, uh, I don't know. The uninvited. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thought you were gonna say Casper. Say like the exact. <laughs> yeah, we we just recently talked about Casper, so it could have gone. I mean, anyway. technically, it has the similar plot to that because it's in the uninvited it's you know a mother Mm -hmm. looking for well actually trying to prove her innocence and then this one is a mother trying to find the killer like show who the killer really yeah she can't rest right because you know the the daughter's killer isn't found and the daughter can't rest because of the killer which is my why i think any paranormal activity it, it if you're going to say why it exists i always like this reasoning makes sense to me like yes the spirit needs to avenge something and so anytime you see a haunting it's actually somebody who just needs a case solved or something yeah, ghost you know? whisperer. yeah um but no yeah just it's got the fantastic fall vibes um, and then it's got that like seaside town kind of mm-hmm. dreamy vibe boy. to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Lucas Haas. And Lucas Haas, Lucas Haas uh, yeah. from from Witness. 
and, and also Brick. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. You know, that's uh, but yeah, I, I know him from Witness very well. I watch Witness a lot as a kid. So yes, but Same it was here. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why because it's great. Because it's the, it is great. The movie. Amish and and Harrison Ford. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think, building houses. I think my mom was like, "Oh, you like Harrison Ford, and I like this movie, so we'll just watch it <laughs> tons of times." Um, I'm really glad I finished it and gave it a second watch because by the ending you do have that closure and it it makes you feel like the time you spent that you felt like maybe this is kind of like why is there so much filler but it kind of like adds up in the end because the ending is actually kind of abrupt so yeah um but yeah it's a great i would say it's a great fall watch pre i would say pre-halloween to get you in the mood so yeah i would recommend it cool but not for kids (laughs) (laughs) well wait what age group would you say uh middle school Okay. Okay. If you were going to double feature it on a family movie night, you would start with Hocus Pocus, send the kids yeah. to bed, and then watch Lady in White. Yeah, L- Lady in White is definitely the B feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get that. Cool. It's the mommy and daddy feature. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, yeah, the first. So mommy and daddy can be sad. <laughs> the first part can be the kids, and then they're like falling asleep, and then, yeah, the adults can take over. Yeah. Yeah. But then they feel sad. Kurt. Then they go cool. watch their cool night. children. Good job. All right, Yana, what do you got? All right. So I do want to say I'm glad he mentioned Lady in White. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's the perfect fall watch. So as much as I want to do the one you guys recommended me and convinced me to watch last last podcast, which was Blood Car. Yeah. Thanks to you two and Andy for that. I loved it. It's so much fun. It is fun. And for such a low budget movie of like 25000 they do such a good job with it. Just some of the effects on it. And it was just a. The things you know, we don't know. Yeah. I've seen it a thousand times. I have never looked into it. Just like this is an amazing comedy and people should watch this fucking movie because it's just ridiculous. If you like reanimator, you'd like this. That's yeah, what I always yeah. tell people. So yeah, it, it's ridiculous. But it's just silly. Loved it. It's and a car that runs on blood. Like. <laughs> yep. And when he figures it out, it's just even funnier when he just starts killing things and you got that montage. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there just like cracking up thinking it's going to be horrible and it's just really cheesy. And I I loved it. I If you haven't seen it, check it out. I know Ren and Niles, you guys talked about it last time. I also recommend it. So the one I want to talk about that I finally got to watch, and this was per Jeremy talking about it, is Freaky. Oh, yeah. yeah. That stars Vince Vaughn mm-hmm. and that teenage chick. Yeah. Catherine Newton. Newton. I don't know. So Fig I, Newton. <laughs> that's what her friends call her. <laughs> oh, Fig. <laughs> so I I actually enjoyed it. It came out in 2020 and I, I slept on it. it oh, just, okay. I just came to HBO Max. So that's what really got me to watch it. And Jeremy saying, hey, have you seen this? It's actually pretty fun. So I thought why not check it out and what it's pretty much if you've seen freaky friday yeah and doesn't matter which freaky friday if you've seen freaky friday that's the premise it's a two people get switched except one is a serial killer and the other is a teenage girl it's like the hot chick but with murder yeah there we go i like the one with dudley moore and kirk cameron oh vice versa no No. Um, like father like like father like son yeah yeah that's my favorite Mm. okay just kidding. I, I like, like Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis yeah, and Lindsay Lohan. I bet you it's fucking did. It's not bad. It's great. Go ahead. Sorry. So I I kind of was iffy on it because I'm iffy on Vince Vaughn. He's hit or miss as an actor for me, to be honest. Okay. All right. I'm just going to say that straight up. So I was curious how. But you've did. seen like Bone, uh, not Bone Tomahawk, um, Dragged Across Concrete. 
Mm. I've seen Bone Tomahawk, which is great. Yeah. Uh, I will say, like, the past couple of films, like Dragged Across Concrete and um, Brawl in Cell Block 99, he actually really shows off some of his acting prowess. And I still haven't watched the second season of True Detective, but I also (coughs) think he's pretty good in that. Yeah, and I think he's improved because I liked him in Freaky. I I think he was phenomenal. And both of them, because the roles they have to take on, him trying to act like a teenage girl, just... I think he's really funny. It is. I I loved it. I was laughing. So I like that it was a tongue-in-cheek movie because it starts off as... It, actually, the opening reminded me of Scream. Yeah. How yeah. it opened. And I, I'm sure that's what they were going for. But I liked that the opening started off like that because you think you're going into the straight up horror movie, this killer murdering yeah. teens. You know, they start with this urban legend. And then it goes, you know, it starts to develop. Meet the teenager. You meet the killer. And the whole switch was very interesting and how it happened because it looks like they're fine. And then the next day they wake up and they're in some they're in each other's bodies. Right. Completely swapped. (laughs) So and as it goes, some of the killing. See, I actually like some of the kills. I mean, they were pretty solid. I think my issue was the CGI blood. But, you know, that's how movies are nowadays. But in general, I think they did a good job as it went through. I think the first half is better than the second half. I agree with that. Yeah, I buy that. I was surprised by the gore. (laughs) Yeah, it was really gory. Especially the beginning. I mean, you saw Happy Death Day, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yes. and Same kind of style to me. And it was like, that that was... Super glossy. Yeah, some of of my complaint was like, ah, this feels like a Happy Death Day, like, offshoot. You're watching Mean Girls and there's lots of gore. Yeah. It's it's like a teen slasher. Yeah, Yeah. that's fine. Some people just want light, scary blood stuff. They don't want the the practical. I feel like I watched, what's the one with Kevin James? Uh, where he's Becky. in the he yeah. was so great. So I feel like I, I watched those that. two. Wait, I watched oh Becky, Becky and Freaky, Freaky. I watched probably like within the same like couple weeks, mm-hmm. and I remember being like really surprised by like Kevin James's movie, the the Becky one, and this one I was like, I mean, it's better than I thought, but it is really like kind of what I expected. It was going to be yeah. super teen friendly, and and that's what it is. And I don't know. I would have liked to see a little more. Umph or sure. a, he was a, a lot more adult. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, after friend's comment, I just can't help but think about what that movie would have been like with Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I feel like he's a little um, smaller in stature than Vince Rob Vaughn. Schneider so maybe the carrot. Maybe rated PG thirteen. He wouldn't be as scary because yeah. of his height. I think Vince Vaughn, the power that hit. Yeah, he's a big blade. man. Yeah, he's a big guy, yeah. but. Like Rob Schneider's like a little little dude. Yeah. He's a little dude. I think I'm bigger than he is. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Although you never know. He I don't could know. Pack a punch. I, I've wild seen, card. Because he was in. Card. He was in the remake of Psycho, and I just. I mean, that's kind of like how Rob he got Schneider. His, no, oh, uh, that's fun. And like, get Rob Schneider out of your head. I just remember, <laughs> other than like swingers uh, and anything he did with like John Favreau, you know, who was his mm. buddy. You know, it was like 
his early work was actually pretty serious stuff. He was yeah. always in more of a serious role, but like I can't like unwedding crashers him. No so shit. like yeah. I, I can't see you. him in serious roles unless he like completely transform. Like like I thought Kevin James did a good job of completely being a different human. Like yeah. yeah. Um, so I did not yeah. think of I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. No, I did not. Becky, <laughs> I was like this or, is a scary man or who's going to murder a child or Hitch. My favorite. I oh. loved Hitch or or Paul Blart. <laughs> All bored. Mall cop. Okay. Remember when we had a semi serious podcast? Now we're talking about Kevin James. Yeah, now we're talking about. This is a Kevin James retrospective. Peanut butter and blart. I needed to talk about Kevin James. But I'm glad you brought it up because. Kevin James and Rob Schneider. Bring you, destroy the brain podcast. (laughs) Cool. So all in all, I mean, I think it's worth a watch. It does display that teenage type of horror thing, but I kind of just came off Jennifer's body and like the tongue in cheek. Yeah. So I think that's what drew me to Freaky. And in general, even if you're not a teenager, I think you'll still find enjoyment out of it because it does have great kills. And I always see Vince Vaughn as this goofy guy from all the other movies I've seen him in. And that's why seeing him in this role, I thought he did a good job. Right. Especially switching personalities, he still wasn't serial killer to me, I guess, because I knew it was him. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's worth it. It's on HBO Max if you have it, so check it out. Neat. Uh, I'm going to kind of cheat and slash be lazy slash I'm too busy. Uh, I'm going to talk about Shocker. Um, So I haven't seen this in a long time, and if anybody wants a little bit of the backstory, Manuela, who was on one of the previous episodes recently... I th- I Dr. X. Like, yeah, Dr. X. Uh, 72, maybe? Um, anyway, so <laughs> this was a whole thing from like 2019 where um, Rick Giordano from The Lion's Daughter does this uh, benefit for Stray Rescue St. Louis. And I love me, my puppies and kitties, even though I'm more of a dog guy. Um, so I, I – offered the opportunity to co-program Late Night Grindhouse. So Manuela won the prize and we tried to get it to play at Moolah and then Moolah pulled the rug under us. And then I was like, okay, let me get set up at the pair. Um, once we get, you know, established relationship, we'll do it. Then we had it scheduled, um, the week after the world shut down basically <laughs> yeah. because of COVID. So I'm like, okay, either this movie's cursed or we're just going through a rough time. It's a very long standing <laughs> IOU. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, this past month we, we got to fulfill it. Manuela got to introduce it Friday night. She was super stoked, but we also like ran out of time, which is funny because the August show, the, uh, intro went way too long. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Um, so I got to watch this last night. Uh, on the Saturday night that we showed it. And it, it's, you know, I, I still stand by it. Look, it's what's Craven basically trying to make another Freddy Krueger. No doubt about it. And what I, there are things that I like about it where it's like kind of in the middle of this techno horror phase, which, you know, you can see with like Evil Speak and 976 Evil um, with phones. Well, this is TVs. Yeah. But like some of the sequences definitely like, oh, this this kid who I'm pretty sure is played by Peter Berg, if I remember correctly, hmm. I, uh, which m- some people might know. He's gone on to kind of be uh, he first directed uh, Very Bad Things 
the yeah. really dark, dark yeah. comedy with Christian Slater and the rundown and like Friday Night Lights and the kingdom. So I, I want to say he's been pretty successful, um, but he is the lead. And quite honestly, I'm glad he made the jump to a director hmm. because he's not great. His speech delivery always feels like he's about to vomit. So he's like, Horace Pinker. It's weird. If you watch the movie or you saw it, you know, during this weekend, you'll know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, he's he's not great. And the girlfriend is not great. But I, I like the little supernatural element that comes into play. And I think Mitch Pelegi as Horace Panker is like definitely the MVP of the movie um, just because he hams it up. And, he, you know, at times he's actually kind of menacing. It's like, oh, I, I wouldn't want to, you know, be in an alley with this dude. You know, the, he, he looks super sketchy, which is funny because, you know, I grew up with him with X-Files for the most part. <laughs> right. But. Yeah, it's it's not a great movie. I think it's way too long. Number one, it's almost two hours long, and we realized that Friday night because like we were both pretty tired. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this movie's two hours long. I have a 15 minute pre-show. Yeah, we'll get out after midnight. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think it's worth a watch, especially if you're like a Wes Craven completionist. His era of the Universal movies uh like people under the stairs shocker serpent in the rainbow i think those are solid movies to check out um i love serpent in the rainbow but i think shocker is probably the weakest of those three okay so where does it stand next to like (laughs) well i mean technically no never mind that's a stupid question were you gonna say like where does it stand between nightmare on elm street scream or like like his latest like nightmare series like you know how oh just nightmare on elm street series sure um yeah no i mean it's uh it's above five is it dream child yeah is that is that dream child yeah what do you yeah patrick you're in europe maniac about this stuff what, yeah, what do you, you want to know well <laughs> he did red eye do you love do you love all of yeah, them yeah i love huh. i i kind of i kind of dip after after dream child me too yeah okay that's I, do, I, I do how like, dare you guys dismiss freddy's dad i do actually no no, no that's do, cool wait, no, wait, wait 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 oh, no, no, no. i do like freddy's are you dad. saying the lowest is five what do you mean lo- lowest is five i like okay i i do like freddy's dead i was just curious fun. yeah yeah, I think I think part five of Nightmare on Elm Street's the lowest. So, mm-hmm. is Shocker better than part five? Yeah, because yeah. Okay. I would rewatch it. Yeah, I'm, part five, I I maybe throw on. I've never seen Shocker, so I was just I'm I'm like, it's do fun. I borrow it or do I not? I mean, it's fun, but yeah. you, you're going to be busy this next month. So, oh yeah, yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, You'll don't give, worry about it. We'll also give me an IOU for yeah. watching it. Cool. <laughs> throw, throw it in the background, say so you watch it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you could watch some of the Mitch Pelegi stuff, but it's also you know, it's it's this weird beast of being a musical product as well because when the movie came out mm. the soundtrack came out and the soundtrack is um megadeth covering alice cooper's no more mr nice guy you have dangerous toys on there this was like 89 hair metal yeah when it's on its way out pretty much wow but you also have the dudes of wrath which was the super group of ace freely or no not ace freely paul stanley and um rudy sarzo who's this infamous 
Optimus bassist that played in a whole bunch of eighties hair metal bands, and uh, I always forget. So basically, the, the soundtrack is far superior to the movie. Kind of like Spawn. Look, I, will I say it's far superior? I don't. I I don't know if I could tell you that. But um, Desmond Child, he also did the vocals for Dudes of Wrath, and Desmond Child is Dudes of Wrath. Dudes of Wrath. Yeah, it's That's a, a horrible a fucking name. name. Is, it, is Lindsay in that band? I, I think she might be. Dudes, dudes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Desmond Child worked on you know the Warriors original soundtrack but anyway you know i think it's more interesting and then for the pre-show if you didn't attend we basically edited down like a 15 minute segment of the headbangers ball that aired on mtv in 1989 where mitch pelegi dressed as horace pinker came on Mm. and like introduced the show with alice cooper and like dave mustaine awkwardly comes out and like is trying to talk to like they have this bit alice cooper and dave mustaine but like Dave Mustaine's just an asshole. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we'll see about that. He actually does make that noise, which I always thought was just a singing, but no. Like, um, he's like, oh, we're going to give you the straight, like, Alice Cooper's like, uh, we're going to give you the straight jacket for No More Mr. Nice Guy. I, I want to pass this down. And he's like, Alice Cooper says, I think it's your size. And he's like, oh, we'll see about that. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> it's just, it's, Look, they are musicians, not actors, and that's very apparent in this segment. But um, it was a lot of fun. Um, I I had fun with Shocker. Is it my favorite Wes Craven? No, obviously. Is it the worst Wes Craven? No, I don't think so either, because I, I definitely enjoy Shocker more than Red Eye. I was not a big fan of Red Eye. What about Eye. Dracula 2000? Yeah, Red Eye's okay. Well, that's Patrick Lussier. Oh, well. Do you like it more than Cursed? Oh, wow. I, <laughs> I forgot know. about that I, one. <laughs> honestly, it's funny because like I don't look at Curse like a completed movie. Yeah. I mean, I you guess know? it's not. Because it's not his original it. thing, yeah. right? I don't know. I mean, look, it is definitely lower tier Craven. Take that for what you will. Do okay. you like it better than Deadly Friend? I think it's I think it's of the same vein. Yeah. If if that makes sense. Like there, I love Deadly Friend, but we all love Deadly Friend because of how cheesy and just mm-hmm. idiotic it yep. can be. Yeah. It's so it's so goofy. It, same kind of thing with Shocker. I've never seen that either. Kind of feels like a Joe Dante oh. movie. It does. Yeah. It's it's kind of like got that cartoonish yeah. zany feel to it. Oh. But Whatever. Sh- check it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually don't know if I own that. So. All right, great. I, oh no, because it's, it's coming Blu-ray. out on Blu-ray now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's why DVD, I don't know. So, yep. I like to pre-order that, please. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say reserve a copy. <laughs> you can order. Well, I'll, I'll charge the blockbuster prices. It's fifty-nine ninety-nine. Oh god, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. Now we'll place reservation that would actually be pretty funny oh i got three copies of deadly friend coming in for rental all right anyway cool all right well that's all we've been watching let's get into our main feature malignant so this is a new film by james wan who you might know as the director of aquaman uh, aquaman in which will i mean let's be honest aquaman definitely helped him get this movie paid for. Yeah. Yeah. Because Aquaman made a million or billion dollars. So of course Warner Brothers is like, yeah, take this money, please. He had a billion dollars to make this movie? No. For this is a forty million dollar budget. Okay. Aquaman made a billion dollars. 
Holy shit. Worldwide. Have so, you seen Jason Momoa without a shirt on? good without a shirt on. <laughs> so, of course, what? Warner Brothers is like, yes, please strike gold again. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they didn't think this was going to be a billion dollar box office, but, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, especially since it went, it did the halfy thing, half in yeah. theater and half on uh, yeah, HBO Max. And look, so... um yeah, so it did the HBO Max and Warner Brothers, the typical Warner Brothers release for 2021, right? Um, I'm a little disappointed that there wasn't more promotion for it, but apparently this was James Wan's request not to do advanced screenings or word of mouth, not in fear of like, oh, it's bad or whatever. More like, I don't want these twists getting out because... Okay. The the great thing I think about the advertising so far is like from the director of The Conjuring and it starts off and you're like, oh, maybe this is a supernatural ghost movie and it becomes something way different. Yep. But um, we'll get into it. Um, so Malignant came out in September 10th. Um, we all watched it, which is why we're all talking about it. And hopefully enough time has passed that you've seen it. We're going to try to keep it as spoiler free as possible, but we'll just give you a warning when we're getting into heavy spoiler territory. So you guys have a heads up, which is like 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah. I mean, basically we're going to talk about a little bit of the setup. Honestly, I think the best way to see the movie is just go in blind. Don't watch any trailers. Just know it's a new horror movie. I think, I mean, I think I saw the trailer before, but I want to say that I came in pretty pretty blind uh i was just like oh cool a new james wan movie you know who is a director i i do like i know he gets bagged on quite a bit dead silence he does i love dead silence the weird thing about james wan is like i feel like there's a specific portion of the horror crowd who bags on him yeah but a lot of but he gets like heavily praised at the same time like most of his movies like get pretty good reviews and they're generally accepted. And they're generally accepted. So, like, that's why, like, I'm like, I I think a, maybe a lot of people don't like him because most of his movies are, like, easily digestible. For normies. Horror. Yeah. But I'm like, I think it's cool because it's like, Accessible. you look back in, like, the 80s and it's like, I mean, would, would people, like, yeah. dislike Wes Craven today. He's like very he, similar to like, Wes Craven, and like or, the idea that I yeah. think, well, at least my personal opinion is, yes, Wes Craven has some exceptional movies, and he's got some that I really don't give a shit about. And fun, but I think some are and some are fun. But I'm just saying there are yeah. ones that I'm like, yeah, it's not very good. Right, right. Um, and that's the thing with James Wan. Like he literally has some of my favorite horror movies, like Conjuring One and Two, and Saw One. Yeah, I think are phenomenal movies. Insidious is okay. Um, you know, I, I like Insidious. I didn't like, I like the I didn't like the ending. I wish he would have left a little more mysterious, yeah. you know, this to it. Uh, I remember I, liking Insidious two a lot too, and yeah. I know that gets. I think on. Insidious two is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I just think it's cool that we have a horror director who's making original cons- content yeah. consistently yeah. putting out. I, I think Fun, my my biggest problem with yeah. him is I think he writes cold characters. Uh, I don't unless it's like The Conjuring, right? Those are two very warm characters. They feel real. Yes, and movies. well, I or think, even the family too. Yeah, right? not just, just the Warrens. It's just well, the idea of like certain actors are great for his writing, I guess, yeah. because they just come off that way, maybe. But then, like in Dead Silence, like that's a horrible script, and you can tell. And honestly, that's kind of how I felt here. It was like. 
a pretty weird script that they didn't have a lot to work with. And so like they were a lot of it was just visuals. Right. So the visuals made up for anything that I was like, well, that was weird. Why would you say that? <laughs> like or moments like that. So but it, I felt the same about Dead Silence. Like I like the theme of Dead Silence and the visuals. Yeah. But like the writing, like between the characters, it's just like I feel like the writing is something we could probably dig into. The further we go. Oh, sorry. The further we go. Oh, yeah. No, I was just saying as like a whole where I feel (laughs) like why I don't like his movie sometimes is because of like his character development and like how I I, feel no empathy for people or like, yeah, stuff like that. I think specifically with Malignant. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad I read a little more about the movie before I got into it. Okay. Because I feel like a lot of people started watching it and like right away they're like, what the fuck is this? And like that was maybe the most surprising. By the way, Patrick, move the mic closer yeah. to. Just swing the arm. Yeah, there swing you go. The arm. Um, that was probably the most surprising thing that I saw happening on that first weekend that it came out. Is like I just saw multiple people. Yeah, made it fifteen minutes in, bailed out. Dude, I'm like, two people come left. On. Two people left in my screening. Like right before the credits started like you know like we have to cut out the cancer and they're yeah what the fuck is this and they which i still don't get like you pay for a movie yeah i don't get especially that in the theater yeah they want to go complain to the manager <laughs> <laughs> this isn't our movie we thought we were getting a conjuring yeah. uh, <laughs> um so yeah i mean before we start kind of getting into it and critiquing it does anybody want to summarize the story no, it's, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. <laughs> uh, it starts with a woman in an abusive relationship who um, goes through some trauma that triggers some. Uh, mm. hmm. You've already ruined. Spo- you already jumped hmm. into spoilers. Not really. You said triggers. Whatever. There's a lot of triggers in this. Yeah, there are. There are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember when I was talking. To, so I actually saw this by myself first and then had an absolute ball with it um that i'm like i have to go see it in the theater and nikki and her friend um roommate jordan it was her birthday i'm like let's go see it my treat so we went to go see it in the theater and i will say that i feel that this film plays better in the theater so yeah if you still have that option by the time this podcast is out and you haven't seen it go see it in the theater 100 uh it needs to be seen on the biggest screen possible and very loud. Um, with that said, I was like, yeah, the first 15 minutes is a little rough. Brace yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's definitely some triggers as, especially if you came out of an abusive relationship, it's even worse because oh, yeah. like it, it's odd, right? I, look, I, I'm not trying to downplay abuse or anything and I don't want this to come off as controversial, but it does feel Kind of a cheesy parody, like dramatization of it when we're first introduced to it. And like, it's the stereotypical fucking dude watching UFC, like laying on the bed. Well, I don't know. I don't think he had a beer in his hand, but he has phone is in his hand. No, he had quit drinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. He quit (laughs) drinking, right? Yeah. Everything's going to be better. I quit drinking. So the issue (laughs) is that their relationship there wasn't a relationship yeah, and you could tell right. like these actors probably barely communicated with each other outside of this single scene. 
And it shows because it's not like a typical abusive husband and the wife who's trying to please. It was just two actors in a room. And this is, I think, the weakest part of the movie. I would agree. In this scene. It was a weak setup. I would agree, too, just because the more I think about it, I'm like, there wasn't a lot that happened regarding well, it's that. hard to it's hard it's, to look in, it almost feels like a cheap grab right yeah, like yes. how do we sympathize with the, our main character oh we put her in an abusive as relationship. fast as I, fast as possible i feel like she could have been in literally any situation in the same thing it didn't happened. even have to go to this yeah or, you exactly. know like by the uh, slight spoiler maybe but you could have had something stupid like she you know, fell down some stairs for real, you know, right. and not by yeah. her husband or anything, or like some something happened that didn't have to be an abusive relationship yeah. she could to have been kick in a off car the accident. Rest. Yeah, exactly. To kick off what happens throughout the film, right? Yeah, it just felt a bit unnecessary. It, it did feel a little unnecessary. But here's the interesting thing here, and this is something that I think is kind of cool. Um, the story is actually by three different people. Uh, it's James Wan, Ingrid, uh, I guess her name is Bisu. She plays the sister, right? Uh, so no, Ingrid Bisu is, hold on, maybe, no, no, she's the cute kind of like CSI oh, girl that's yeah, after she's the, the crime detective scene person. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's actually James Wan's husband or wife. You don't know. Maybe she calls herself his husband. Yeah. We don't, <laughs> we don't know. know. Yeah. We were just talking about pride. Yeah. Right. I'm a little mixed up. I don't know. Um, but yeah, she is, um, I, I think what I want to say is that she co-starred in The Nun, which, you huh. know, James Wan didn't direct, but, uh, and I think she's maybe in, even in the new Conjuring movie. I still haven't watched the third one, mm-hmm. but um, they got, I think they got married in 2020. Oh, wow. And this film was mainly shot in 2019. Okay. So this was prior to their engagement or uh, marriage, I should say. Um, But then there's Akela Cooper, who also co-wrote this. Akela Cooper also uh, was a producer on Luke Cage, but uh, she did some writing for, (laughs) well, she's writing The Nun 2. She's writing Megan with a three in it. Uh, What is that? I don't know. Thregan. Uh, but here's here's the thing that I was getting to. She also co-wrote, or maybe she solely wrote, Hellfest. Okay. Otherwise known as Six Flags Fright Fest, the movie. I champion that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, she wrote uh, she wrote it with Seth Sherwood, Bear Ooh, wow. There's actually like a whole bunch of writers on this one. Wow. So she's like one of six writers, basically. Um So there was a lot of hands in this thing. On um Hellfest, there was six writers, Malignant, three writers, James Bond. Well, here's the thing is Akela Cooper is the sole screenwriter. The story is by all three of them. Make sense? Cool. Sure. Great. Great. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I do like that there are two female creatives on the structure of this story. And I almost feel like... <laughs> If James Wan had anything with the story, maybe it's the beginning, the setup, because I will firmly say that James Wan is not a great writer. He Lee Winnell is a better writer. Lee Winnell, yeah, he is the writer. Like he's, uh, they're both 
very responsible for Saw and the success mm-hmm. of Saw, right? But Lee Winnell is definitely the backbone of James Wan. James Wan's like, I know how to direct a scene. I know how to set up scenes. I know how to scare people. I know how to thrill people, whatever. And it feels like, how do we get this character in a situation to talk about mental illness? Um, and like, sometimes I feel like the whole movie is an allegory for mental illness. Absolutely. And um, how the outside world portrays people and looks onto people that have mental illness. So I always thought that was interesting. Like, I, I definitely feel more of a female voice behind this film. Um, but what I will say is like, yeah, James Wan, it, it feels like maybe he was like, well, I, don't know, I can't. What do if it. we beat her? I, I, yeah, I can't do a good air, uh, Australian accent. But yeah, uh, wh- what about a husband just knocks her around? You know, that that's essentially what it feels like. It's like, OK, we'll do that. We're on a time crunch. It feels the, this scene, the very beginning and pretty much the whole character setup of this character feels not only lazy, but just really cheap. Yeah. And I think that's the bottom line. And this is probably the weakest thing in the movie. I would, I would agree. I think it gets better from there. I, I yeah. think the, although I will say, I do think the way the movie twists yeah. is very similar to how Lee Winnell writes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like so, scene to scene, how it gets there. I Especially with the ending. It's just, it's literally just a script. If they just had a, a tighter more relatable something i mean i just feel like because i don't attach to the characters at all it's just hard for me to be like oh that sucks that's not good but literally it's just like all of a sudden you're just like oh these two people that are just strangers are beating the shit out or she's getting the shit beat out of her yeah that was Uh, like and then he's like he's just like yeah you know kill another one of my children or something like that i was just like ugh, yeah and i get why no it was more hurtful it was like how many of my babies need yeah. to die inside of you. I was just like, it's fucked. If was I was really a female and I had gone through any trauma in my life, I'd probably be like, yeah, I'm gonna not watch this. Yeah. yeah. The beginning of that movie was not good. Yeah. It was not a good one. So, yeah, I don't know. But like Patrick said, it it looks like <laughs> it looks like it's supposed to. It like yeah. scene to scene how it like transition makes sense. So I think. I think we can all agree that the opening's not the best, but right. it was beautifully beyond, shot. Beyond like the, that. But yeah. what comes after I, is what I think is definitely one of my top movies of the year. I 100%. It's definitely going to be in my top five, I think, uh, unless I get blown away by a couple of other movies in the next couple of months. Yeah. So, um, what, so what happens? Um, she is witnessing murders and kind of a... Uh, Eyes of Laura Mars type of yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what uh, where yeah. she's not uh, physically in the same place, but I think that's like where the uh, like is this supernatural? Is it not? Is like how she kind of sees the surroundings well, and changing. That's, that's what I really dig about this movie yeah. is because of course James Wan is the creator of The Conjuring, right? Yeah, and that's how Warner Brothers is going to advertise it because it's a Warner Brothers movie. So I think there's a decent amount of people that went in like, oh, I'm going to see the new movie by this guy who did The Conjuring, which scares people, right? And, oh, he's done Saw. So, like, his track record's good. But I think a lot of people went in thinking it's The Conjuring or thinking it's a supernatural story because the trailers really don't dissuade you. And I'm thankful Mm -hmm. for that, to be quite honest, because I think that is a better setup. 
is yeah. that, yeah, it's going to be a supernatural story. And the couch gag that happens, which in my opinion plays way better in the theater because the wide shot, you don't necessarily see it on a smaller screen, but the, the pillow is rising and then it goes to, it cuts to a close shot where you definitely see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're like, Oh shit, it's a ghost movie. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. But the greatest thing about this movie is that it switches all these subgenres of horror every like 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's what I absolutely it, and I I will say I absolutely hate when people are like, "Oh yeah, it's the James Wan giallo." No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. There are elements of giallo. There's, you know, colored lighting. You have the gloves, which are a direct homage to Deep Red. They're the same exact glove. There are echoes of that. But in my opinion, it's it's a blender movie. Yeah. 100% a blender movie. Like, hey, I... and. I think the reason I'm very strong with it right now, and I, I don't want to like hijack the whole conversation, but when I was getting into horror and international horror and European horror was pretty much in the early 2000s, mid 2000s when I was reading Rue Morgue, because they were a great outlet for me to like find new movies. So around this time, you know, obviously James Wan comes out with Saw, but it, this movie feels like the James Wan movie he wanted to make before he got the opportunity of a saw. Yeah. Like I want to make a dark castle entertainment film, but I also want to inject all this European horror influence into it. And that's what I love about it. It is in my opinion, like a perfect mixtape, if you will. Yeah. And I'm glad like after I watched it and like, yeah, people are being kind of pissy about it. Like, you know, it's not really Jallo, but it's like he said it influenced by it. It's yeah, not like yeah. he's not saying it is, but but I remember like when I got home that night, I was like, I'm in the mood to watch opera now. And then like I was glad I saw this interview with James Wan and he was saying that opera was one of the movies that influenced him the most with this. And uh watching it again, I was like, Oh man, everything from like Gabriel's voice, like the way he talks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Which just, reminds you of, it reminded me of Phantom of the Paradise. That too. Yeah. I yeah. can see that. And then like, you know, when the woman's taped up and even the weapon was, mm-hmm. yeah, I could kind of see that as well. But, um, and of course I love opera, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I, yeah, I can see the comparison. To op- That's funny. I'll be honest, the whole time I watched it, I didn't get any of these comparisons in my brain. Oh really? It's there be- was one big one I got. I mean, at times I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, kind of, you get that. I don't know. I think more because it's so action packed. Yeah. Um, it's very superhero, almost action packed. Like you see a lot of physical, actually at times I was like, is this an action movie? Yeah. Cause it was very like, there was a lot of cool stunts going on and just, uh, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but I'm just saying I, I thought it was not slow enough to be like a Jalo basically. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. but I mean, now you guys say that actually, especially opera, it's very, yeah, Look, you're very, yeah. yeah. We talked about Argento and his convoluted plots. Right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I feel yep. like this is more so of an Argento homage yeah. or something that Argento would make in the early 2000s. Like, yeah, hey, I got like, this crazy idea. You know, this girl who's been abused by her husband uh, has brain trauma and well, yeah. okay, we're going to jump in the spoilers. I'm just going to open the floodgates. I think it's funny because, it, like, technically, and this is what Patrick hates about me, because, like, technically, 
if you would have told me this is an Argento film, I would have been like, it's like the best one he's done. Exactly. <laughs> and but, that's the funniest fucking it's, thing. It's so it easy for me to hate on James Wan because like, I'll be honest, I watched Aquaman. I didn't give a fuck about it. Yeah, and, Aquaman's well, and like, I, I, but you like Saw. And I don't like a lot of the things he's produced. I really think he's just, you know, a tagline. You know, you throw him on there to get the production I credit. I think he's really produced good. by Jay, I, I it's produced like, by the guy I who brought the Conjuring. Like you know, and it's like you go end up going to see a movie that's just like, oh my god, this yeah. is awful. Um, but yeah, so it's just easy for me to hate on him. But yeah, if you told me this is <laughs> yeah, the late Argento's like last piece, I'm like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> like uh, outside of you know some obvious like computer generated effects if i if i said oh yeah this is dario argento's lost film he made it like around trauma you know the the film yeah trauma that came out it, it's around that time scope if i gave you that time frame and you just let's say you believe me right that it's a this lost dario argento film i think you would buy into it more and i think people would enjoy it even more you have to take a step back and i that's what i love about this movie is he's like hey the advertising is going to sell you on the conjuring movie, but I'm actually going to give you like my experience in the early two thousands consuming horror as a horror fan. Yeah. That's, I feel like that end product of this movie is that. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. What do you think about the dialogue? Like, uh, do you think the dialogue it, is, is it, cheesy? Is it, does it feel intentional? Do you think? Yes. Like, because like you, 100%. Watch, you watch a lot of Argento movies and it feels that way. And I think a lot of it's like, could be from the the dubbing or whatever, and like, it very no, well. It's always be. from the but, dubbing. But for, for, but for <laughs> me, like this movie felt like I was watching like a dubbed, a dubbed movie. like dramatic exactly. miniseries. Like, yeah, no. I was just like, but I, I also feel that the whole time, like this is so cool. I feel that's intentional. <laughs> yeah, though. yeah. You know, I, I think he knew exactly what he was doing like, with this movie. The way the detectives talked and everything. Yeah, like, it was just well, yeah. and that's the other thing. Funny thing, I, I really hate the bag on this actress, but. Um, somebody coined the phrase great value Wanda Sykes and I cannot get it out of my oh, brain. Oh my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> because unkind. yeah, it is unkind, but it's also kind of true. It's like, feels like, Oh, w Wanda was too busy with the schedule or didn't want to be in a horror movie. Yeah. So we got this other, you know, African American sassy lady, which is almost a stereotype in itself. Right. So it's like, okay, are you playing into the stereotype or is this the character you wrote? I don't know. No, I like know. I have I did, no clue. I did kind of, I did kind of like her though. I liked yeah. the fact that the two main cops that we were dealing with were both not white people. I did so like that. Yeah, I liked yeah. That. God, I he, liked that there was a female in the partnership as well. So yeah. I liked that. What was his name? It just sounded so funny. Cacao. Cacao. Detective. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that like a Cacao? Yeah, Cacao Shaw. And I think somebody made a joke in that movie about it, and I'm like, why are you joking about his name? Racist. Yeah. Fucking racist. But yeah, no. I I mean, look to me like interpreting this movie as a whole, which maybe I should wait until we're done talking about it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Um, so anyway, Madison, Madison Lake, which I thought was kind of a cool name. Um, she ends up going to the hospital because she hit her head. Well, her husband slammed the head 
in the wall, right? And this is the catalyst for everything that happened. Like I said, we're in spoiler territory, so I think we can get into to it. To be fair, she was in the hospital because of a home invasion. Oh, yeah, yeah. An alleged home invasion. Well, they thought she was knocked out yeah. from the home invasion, even though like her damage was because of her husband, which she obviously didn't get to communicate. The other thing is, like... <laughs> Again, to highlight the weakest part before we get into all the strengths of Malignant, in my opinion. She's in Scrubs. What the fuck does she do? And shouldn't she know if she's still bleeding the next morning and there's blood on the pillow, like you would go get that checked out? So the thing that you probably have not thought of from the perspective of the individual is if you are going through abuse, it is really hard to seek out help. It is. Well, it is if that person's dead. Like she's injured post him being dead. She could go get go to the hospital and get fixed. But it's still hard to admit he's dead. It's It's hard to get out of that situation. You probably want to stop bleeding, though. (laughs) She also has a fucking head injury. So she's she's probably not thinking clearly. that's That's why she forgets who actually broke into the house. Not her, you know, or it wasn't her husband who beat her. And that's why I had some leniency towards it, right? Because, like, that's the huge plot hole that bothered me in the beginning was, like, why doesn't she just mention that, yeah, my husband slammed my head against the wall. Because people who are being abused don't like to talk about it. You basically are making an entire police force hunt down somebody who didn't exist. Or... I she mean, saw something though. Yeah, she saw yeah. something. No, that's she doesn't know what she saw. She doesn't mention anything, so I assume she just doesn't remember, and that's fine. Okay. That's what we have to play it as. Okay. Yeah. But I mean the physical abuse play it plays into the whole plot point, right? Mm-hmm. And and we're pretty much dealing with an unreliable narrator in a weird way. Uh, what I like about it is how it's all unveiled um, because, you know, we're just like, oh, well, this is weird. This is weird. And then like the scene where she's laying down and like the background melts and like all these swing around shots where she's in the kitchen and she's witnessing this figure who is plucked straight from like has the silhouette of a giallo, right? You have the leather coat and he's got really long hair. So it's like this weird mix of like J horror and giallo, I guess. Yeah. I thought, I thought the ring mixed with Jeepers creepers, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then there's like, I like the Argento thing. I'm now that I have this Argento thing, it's changed. You you will not be able to shake it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I got out of it. But here's the thing is like, you know, when you see this figure, who I might as well just say Gabriel, like I said, we're getting the spoilers, so you know what the fuck we're talking about. Um, there's an odd movement to him. And that almost feels like, you know, a tribute to um some of the Spanish horror, like uh Javier Bartet's sure. work from like Wreck and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh shit, there's physical work that's being done. It it's not all CGI. I mean, there's definitely some decent CGI budget for this film, but it's not all in um, the characters or or this figure. Um, there's definitely some physical work done there. But the way Gabriel moves is just so awkward. and, and Unsettling. It, you know what yeah. it reminds me of is like William Malone's uh, House on Haunted Hill or like the Jacob's Ladder stuff with that high shutter. It has kind of that weird feel to it jerky. in an odd way. Yeah, like jerky just, and lanky. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm missing a couple of frames. But even though like... We, we find out why this all happens. And that's the other thing I love about it is that it gives a logical reason on why this visual appearance of this character is the way he is. But 
Um, yeah, the scene when like they go to the doctor's office and I I also love that Gabriel communicates through radio, yeah. which is kind of like phones. in really cell cool. phones. It's it's like and the, toy phones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any like anything with a speaker, I guess you could say. Um, but I also love that there's like a shot that there's a radio that costs like $400 that would be in somebody's house. I think that's a little ridiculous, but <laughs> whatever. Um, I love that he's only able to speak this way. And like when they're in that doctor's office, that's when to me, the film just like kicks in and yeah. says, Oh, I'm going to get weird. And there's the shot. There's the shot that I absolutely love. And if you go on Twitter, I kind of made a gif of it where it's like this weird zoom and it's a little shaky. And then the background like bounces behind her i absolutely love that shot and it's right before gabriel says it's time to uh, show you what the cancer's become or whatever and he like kills the woman right i i absolutely love that sequence i don't know for for me it was just like the jumping board of the insanity that's about to follow i mean i was gonna say like the how some of the sequence feel like a dream sequence whenever gabriel whenever you see shots of gabriel her everything melts behind her yeah And then it just she's seeing everything and you don't know if she's dreaming, like if she's having a premonition and she's seeing the same thing. You don't know what's going on. And I like how he did that sequence because you really don't know reality from dream and you're trying to figure it out the whole time. Is she dreaming? And is this real? Yeah. And after we get over that initial setup, that first 20 minute setup, there's even more setup. And what I love about it is the film is very self-aware. It knows exactly what it is, and it knows what its audience is, which I think is the biggest strength to the film. Now, I totally agree that this movie is very divisive. I was about to say, does it know his audience? Because half the people fucking hate this movie, but if, and half the people love this movie. I feel like... I'm in the middle. Yeah. He, I'm in the middle. He's focusing on a certain set of people, which I feel like I'm in the pool of. So, like, when Madison reveals to Sydney, her sister, right, like, that she's adopted... I'm sure Niles picked up on this and I'm sure Patrick picked up on this. There are, there's musical cues that are the piano notes for where is my yeah. mind, which yeah. is oh, like, I wouldn't know that the first, I kind of had to stop for a second. The first time that I was like, what, what? And what's cruel. <laughs> it, it, a lot of people are still figuring this out, but that has nothing to do with the composer of Joseph Bashar. He may have like teed it up with those piano notes, possibly, yeah. but the cover is actually by this uh, group called Safari Right. You can listen to the song on Spotify. So it's intentional. Yes. So, okay. so they actually so, did a full cover so, of the so, Yeah. Song? Well, this was okay. done oh. back in 2018. I- I thought they just ripped wow. it off. I was like, no, oh my no. God. The, it's a cover. <laughs> Somebody's going to notice. It's a cover, but that's what I love about Somebody's this. because It's too close to the original. Look, I'm a huge fan of when you incorporate music into a movie and yeah. if it makes sense and makes it more of an emotional impact, right? So, <laughs> yes, like that. Yeah. But what I love about it is that Joseph Bashara, let's say he tees it up with those first couple of piano movements. And then she drops the bomb. I was adopted. And then it kicks into that. And at first watch, it's like, oh, okay, it's a it's a cool cover. But then you're like, oh, shit, the song's called Where Is My Mind? Are we dealing with an unreliable narrator? Also, the great thing about that song is that it will forever be associated to Fight Club, which is also an unreliable narrator. So that's what I love about that scene in particular is like it breaks out to like 
okay, here's what it is on the surface. Here's what it is for film fans. Here's what it is for music fans. I love that he blankets everything just and and look, this is totally my interpretation, but I am not the only one that caught on to this. I'm happy to hear your interpretation of what you saw. <laughs> I, I think it, it, it's I'm learning a lot. I didn't get okay. that. I, I, you know. I, I'm just a hater, man. I came into this and I I think I'm like Patrick said that first 15 minutes. I was like, this is like, did they do like you said, did they do this intentionally? Are they like acting like that first scene with like, it's basically like a stranger things kind of vibe or whatever. Yeah. And they're running around and the experiments got out and you're yeah. just, it's like, I, I, I could fuck see is this. And then it's like present day. And then it's just yeah. like. Uh, abuse to a woman and kill a baby, basically. I, it, I mean, it, it is a little. And I was jarring. just like, it is a little jarring. Let's be, let's play like, a little smoother with the plot so far. I, but like, I guess he just needed to like get it all out, yeah, and that as short as possible. I mean, it is quite a tonal. And then jump. it, and then it goes slower, and that's when I start, you know, oh, okay, now we're developing the story. Well, right. I think he was trying to put in enough plot points to where he could be like, I wasn't directly ripping off Basket Case. For the entire plot we did, of this we movie. didn't get it. We didn't get into that yet. But yeah, that's look, I I personally feel that if you want to throw that film in there when you're talking at it like a blender movie, cool. I don't think it's the same movie. The creatures not going to murder its creators. Well, number one, it's not detached. Right. The plot well, line I mean, is let me go yet. after the no, no, no. directors. Let let it let it let's say Three fourths of the movie, it is basket case, and then they do the de- then they do the next twist, and then it's not, and it, then it's imprint, and, and that's when I actually really like it. Imprint, I think the I ending think, is the best part of the movie. Imprint, I can see basket case. I didn't really get that. Um, I think. Look, I, I don't. I'm not calling you out, Ren. I just think it's a lazy comparison. I don't. I'm a little triggered by it. Really? No, yeah. I agree with her. <laughs> I I agree with imprint. The, I, think that's, I think it. Yeah, I think it's more closer to imprint. One hundred percent. They literally or like sisters, like the Palma sisters. That I mean, it's different because they're separated. Same with Basket Case. Right. Right. And I will say that I feel Basket Case is definitely an influence. One hundred percent. Okay. It's still I'm not saying that it's just like Basket Case. I right. think that's where I take the offense. I'm like, come on. No, it's, it's, it's saw, more than that. I even saw some people online were comparing it to Dress to Kill because yeah. of the split personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, and Sisters is a good one too. I think actually, Sisters yeah. and Repulsion mm-hmm. are also mixed in mixed in here. But yeah, like as far as Basket Case, there's definitely like a grindhouse exploitation quality to this film, especially in you know. Once you get to the jail scene, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh it feels God. like that is almost like Foxy's a very ton. In, yeah, that's the thing is like you have these uh, weird kind of like caricatures, caricatures, Ugh. but like you have a seventies like black exploitation actress right with the fro and she's oh, like yeah. oh and she even talks like it too uh-huh. and then you have zoe bell yep. as the mulleted she's woman who awesome. i love <laughs> so good um i i think the only thing i was upset about was like they didn't give her more stunt work yeah like it's like oh you should have u- utilized I, all of her attributes because i kept saying is that not her because she's not doing anything crazy right and she she well, kicks, for the most part like her hides her accent like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, there's a couple of. I think when she says "what the fuck," yeah, it kind of leaks out a little bit. But um, no, so like back to the you know 
to the scene where she reveals that she was adopted. So we're like, okay, so now her whole world's turned over. Yeah. And then the comparison to basket case is that of course they're working down the line of all the doctors that were involved in separating Madison slash Emily from Gabriel. And like I said, we were already in spoiler territory. So I think we could talk about Gabriel. Yeah. So what you're saying is, his mind game for this for okay you might think that's unkind of us to think it's a lot like basket case but i love basket the, case yeah but we i love, love basket, basket case, case yeah and the moment he started killing off the doctors i was like 100 percent. is this a remake of like is he really remaking basket case like a higher brow but it's obviously more, not a remake right no no do i know an argento spin it's like basket case. yeah exactly and that's what that's what I'm saying. Like once we learn the plot, like oh he's going after the doctors, and it's a you know a, a parasitic twin. Yes. Which I don't know if Belial was actually a parasitic. I think they were just conjoined. I don't think they said they were um, parasitic. Yeah. Or not. That I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't Belial, know. Belial the 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 mass of tissue that is Belial. Sure. I don't think would be considered like human much like okay. Gabriel isn't considered okay. human it's not like when you see full people yeah who are born conjoined it's like the the body is absorbed and I guess that's that's where I get confused just personally like what's a conjoined twin versus a parasitic twin because they're conjoined because they share probably shit. like percentages involved. okay that's well a lot yeah. of can percentages you, uh, and diagnoses can you give me a stat sheet on that so i'll i'll uh, do some reading <laughs> on ncbi and yeah, i yeah. will forward you That'd the scholarly great. documents we'll, we'll try to make up some charts for this episode yeah, um, sure i mean basket case is a pretty straightforward plot it's, yeah we're gonna saw them apart but also i'm just saying there was but a also point the brother like, knows what the fuck's happening yeah. That's the other thing. Maddie, Emily, wow. is, is later. She's, she's she doesn't necessarily. She's seen, but she's disassociating herself from it. And that's when the reveal is that Gabriel is her parasitic twin who lives in the back of her head. Like Professor Quirrell and Lord Voldemort. And the <laughs> procedure that yeah. they did, which we see in the beginning, um, prior to the procedure that they did, was we see a creature through like kind of like, <laughs> like this kind of fine mantis hands just yeah. behind a yeah. sheet. And we're like, like what the alien? fuck is this? And that's another thing I love is it starts off like a creature feature. It does. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I think Dark Castle Entertainment, if you put that logo on here, it would make uh, way more sense to everybody. Like, yeah, I, no, I, this is kind of bad shit. And that's what it is. It, to me, doesn't make sense as a James Wan movie. And that's my, I think that's my hardest thing. It's like, I see The Conjuring, I see a classic, like, you know, you build up the family dynamics, so you care about them, then there's the scary shit, yeah. then there's some twist at the end usually. And then he seems to do that most of the time. Except for when he doesn't, and then it's just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to think about this movie. I, I think he knows it's not a James Wan movie. Yeah. Like, because he, he even said, like, if you love The Conjurer, you're going to Insidious, you're, you might probably, not like you're probably not going to like this. But and, here's the thing. See, like, I didn't read anything about it. I don't know. I literally watched it this morning. And here we are. So I tried not You're to know. You're fresh out. I'm yeah. fresh out of it. So I think I'm still forming my own opinions. And you guys are definitely helping me because I think I had a hard time like being like, this is very different for him yeah. because I know he has the budget to hire bigger actors or like better actors yeah, yeah. and maybe have a better script. But if he's intentionally trying to make more of a 
you know, shock and awe kind of a mix of giallo mixed with some like, you know, let's be honest, like a Brian music kind of thing. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I totally like, buy into that's that. That's fucking awesome. And more power to him. And as I said, but by it's the, like using a light by the ending <laughs> of the movie. I do like this movie. I think the big twist with him being pushed into the fucking head and that totally got me. And yes, there's times where I, that thing is totally creepy. And actually I think most of the action is badass. So whenever the police officer is chasing this creature yeah. through yeah. that building, that whole scene fucking, had me. It was like the awesome. movement of that creature was insanity. It was yeah. like this weird, disjointed bug monkey. It just right. moved in so many unnatural ways. It, you think it's a monster. It was like the chase scene in Men in Black. Right. It may Smith. as well have been an alien with the, the alien. way it was moving. Absolutely. Well, look, it, it's it's funny that we talk about that scene because that is the scene where I kind of like put in the back of my head, this is a fucking mixtape. Yeah. Because I, I guess one of the ways I was trying to like, you know, smartly write something was that this is essentially new line cinema, which this is a new line cinema yep. joint, right? Yep. It's new line cinema saying, Hey, um, we have a whole bunch of seven VHSs because that whole sequence is like fucking seven. Yeah. It's shot the same way. Mm -hmm. It's rainy. And like, except for the side scrolling like shot, right. That that's obviously not in seven, but like the, the cop falls and it's almost the way like he like lets himself fall. He's just like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing is like uh, where I get the mixtape idea from is like, okay, we gave you the seven, uh, new line cinema, purchase because you asked for it on VHS and somebody put the tape over it and said, well, I'm going to tape over, like, I'm going to put some Giallo films on here. Some of my favorite scenes of like creature features, dark castle entertainment. And then like, there's just a break in the action where he fucked up and wasn't queued up properly. And you written. see a little bit of seven here. That's, I mean, I was trying to like try to figure out how to write that, but it, it wasn't working out in my brain, but I wanted to dump it all on you guys. Thanks for dumping um, on us. <laughs> thanks for us. So with the whole chase sequence that did, like you said, remind me of the creature feature. And I did get those Giallo vibes actually when I was watching it. Yeah. And, but it was only in certain scenes. Like you said, it was a giant mixtape and I didn't know how to describe it. Right. Watching it, I had to sit on it for a couple days because it there's a lot going on, to be honest, in the whole movie itself. And I feel like I really had to think about it afterward. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a good thing because I'm like, I really liked it. I like the visuals. Yeah. And like you said, with the opening, you know, it, it kind of felt a little abrupt. But once you get in after that 15 minutes, you get very involved yeah. in the story and the somewhat with the characters and you want to know what's going on. And I just liked how he did develop all the sequences and mm -hmm. how things change so quickly right? and everything he threw in. And I like your reference to basket case because I didn't even think of that. Oh, I, wow. Okay. I, I don't know why I thought of the giallo stuff first, mm. just because of how some of the shots were. But when yeah. you said basket case, I'm like, oh, because of the twin. And since I guess basket case, they're separated. I didn't think. I think you know. of Basket Case like every day. <laughs> she, yeah, we'll yeah. watch anything. She watched like an episode of Batman the Animated Series. She's like, is this, <laughs> is this Basket uh, Case? There were, there were <laughs> scenes in this movie that really gave me some like 90s Batman the Animated Series vibes. Like every time we saw the Simeon location, it was just like, this feels like a yeah. bad yeah. guy location. Yeah. 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 Or so actually. Sequences too. Yeah. House on Haunted like Hill. That. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I mean, the, the, the 90s one, like right? It, yeah, if you put... <laughs> I mean, that's a Dark Castle film. That's right. what I'm getting at with the Dark Castle yeah. thing. Is like, if you put like House on the Hill, a little bit of House of Wax, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, a little bit of 13 Ghosts in the zaniness of I, how okay. everything unfolds. Was yeah. Wasn't there even a Castle Freak reference in the movie? I mean, the, the guy uh, kind of looks like yeah. Castle Freak. Was that the, the drawing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty that much supposed to be. But yeah, I mean, look, here's the other thing is I, I it is definitely a divisive film, but I feel like it is passionate enough and it's commenting on horror and trying to wrap it all into this crazy story, which, like I said at the beginning, was kind of, you know, this allegory or commentary on mental illness and like how, you know, look, it, mental illness is either caused by a big event whether it be abuse in this case mm. or, you know, something traumatizing in your childhood or, you know, it's possible like mental illness is just something that happens too, you know, but you're born this way. Yeah. You, you're just born that way, but it feels like sometimes things trigger that thing. If you want to call it trigger the movie. Sure. Great. But nah. I mean, because it definitely does get into some taboo things, but what I love about this film is that, and here's why I think I like James Wan more is that he's able to switch it up. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. I made the saw movies. You know me about saw. I'm going to make dead silence, which I actually want to rewatch, especially after watching this. I think it's fun. I, I, I would I, like to watch I, I it. I think it's too. fun as well. Yeah. I, I would like to rewatch People it. People hate that movie. I, don't, I just, I like it's it. okay. It's I wasn't nice. into it when I first saw it. It feels but like a goosebumps movie. It does. Yeah. It does. Absolutely. <laughs> But then, you know, then he came out with The Conjuring and that or I should back up Insidious. He came out with Insidious and that got a new respect for James Wan. And then he because of Insidious, he got Conjuring and Conjuring also had like this third level. And when you think about it in history, right, like Wes Craven is maybe the closest director that had multi-generationals yeah. uh like you know nightmare Nobles. first off i guess you could go back to last house on the left right mm -hmm. because that definitely made an impact and then in the 80s you get nightmare on elm street and in the 90s you get scream so he had multi-generational um effects on the genre but saw insidious the conjuring this stuff is like within 20 years and yeah. i think yeah. that's something to definitely like applaud if you don't like his stuff cool i i guarantee you there's one film of his that you will like though much like Wes craven like so you know i'm not the hugest fan of last house on the left i think it's an important film for ex I, exploitation so Circling back to yeah. your main point with mental illness, the thing that really brings home that this is about her struggle with mental illness is the ending. Mm -hmm. Big spoiler alert, but who gives a shit? She essentially says, I'm taking control of my own brain and the world that I live in. Yep. And I'm going to put you in this cage in my brain and you're not going to be mean to me anymore. Part of that was like a little bit of closure, but also it was kind of like, maybe you should seek professional yeah, help yeah. instead of just <laughs> burying it down into the vault. And I will um, say good the for end. her for taking the initiative to say like, I will not let my illness control my life, right. which I think was supposed to be the message. Mm -hmm. Um, 
people people should get real help. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think if it wasn't uh, It was actual, a little cheap. It, technically, it's a physical manifestation. It's not right. like a, it's not just psyche here. Right. We have a physical right. being living in well, your head. Well, there's still teeth in your brain, man. Right. <laughs> you should get some help man, for the teeth in your, your skull head. apart. <laughs> uh, I would say my favorite part was when we finally find out that um, the be- being that is Gabrielle that like or Gabriel that grew grew from her miscarriages and it fed off of fed those. off her and yeah. I was like well that's fucked well, yeah he was he, like squeamish well, here's like, the thing oh and, my god and even though we said that's the weakest part of the movie what no, they're able I thought to that do was, that made sense to me I was no, like no, no, that no, no, absolutely no. Made I'm talking sense. about the beginning the oh, whole yeah, yeah, setup sure. right yeah. Because it feels very exploitive yeah. in a weird way. And it feels like an easy grab. At least by the end of it, he's trying to tie it all in. So that he's basically saying, no, this is very useful information. I still think they probably could have got away with it. Like if it was just some sort of other head trauma other than abusive. I, I like, your con- I like if they yeah. if they would have cut that first like the sci fi scene. Cut that. You don't need that. <laughs> oh, I love Start it. with. I know you do. Because why but, did the couch cushion move? Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyways. Because it's all in her head. She's it's all in her head anyway. She didn't see anything. It's all in her head. Well, he saw. Yeah, it. he saw. But that. she also and s- technically, I think she was sitting on the couch, and then he turned off the TV and oh, she moved. Oh, okay. Because all that all that is is saying, hey, somebody was actually sitting there. I mean, she could have basically. I think would have been a cool concept as if she saw the entity that I like, technically is her and was disturbed by it and fell down the stairs like yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of a head trauma would totally work too like the thing was there still and it's just in her brain and then when she had the head trauma that's when it re- released itself but it had to emerge to like have have her have this accident right. but also i guess the other way worked too, i mean i, I also <laughs> dig the evolution of gabriel as a character yeah too because like even though it takes until you watch the whole movie to really see what all happened to he that character, breaking right? his elbows back, right, <laughs> right. But but here's the thing: is like when she when she first sees him, it's just black. Yes. There's hair in black. That's it. And then as the story progresses, Gabriel starts to gain a personality. He has a jacket. He has a jacket. He has a dope jacket. Oh. Uh, he's got that cool sword. <laughs> yeah, and, and Trophy that's the sword. other thing is like, look, he's uh, pretty handy, you know? I So that's my thing. Okay, granted this is, like you said, it's a mixtape. It's all kinds of things. It's kind of batshit crazy all over the place, right? A, is she telekinetic yeah and b do they have superpowers like i mean they're like super strength maybe their brain is like so big that they're able to like emit these like super waves and like like, transmit like it's like a mode yeah because look when you when you break it down is like how the fuck is he able to communicate explode light bulbs change the yeah yeah sure some of those we don't know who their father is right it was just it was just the product he's an x-men a uh (laughs) it's nightcrawler (laughs) the father could be an alien yeah maybe mom was abducted by some aliens i'd like to see a james wan alien movie that would be good good. james wan you listening do it do it um but yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I think even though it, it doesn't fully explain everything, like the how is he able to communicate through 
you know, just things with a speaker through radios or whatever, or how's he bust out the lights? I don't know, but it's, it could be, <laughs> look, you're fucking with the brain, right? So like, it could be a tapping into telepathic abilities that, because that's what I'm suggesting. You know, I mean, I think maybe that's it's a the big thing. old juicy brain. They got like a one and a half brains in that. Yeah. Noggin. What what do we, we use? Like 10% of our brain. Of our brain anyway, yeah. so They've unlocked the rest. Be, them using the whole part of the brain that exactly. we don't have a that she doesn't actually have a part of. Is that right. like with the I Matrix thought. where they're like the spoon isn't really there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also there kind of funny no that you spoon. make like the Matrix comparison because you know you could you could see like maybe this fake world that she's imagined too. Yeah. And, and that's a reach, that but you know Gabriel is created for her. <laughs> right. She wasn't even pregnant. He was her abusive husband. Oh. It was his baby all along. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, I highly recommend this film. Obviously, I, I went to go see it in the theater and uh, I'll ha I worded something up that I don't know if I'm going to put in an article or not because I feel it's too late, but I'll read it off to you guys after we get everybody's opinion. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about with the movie? Uh, I really liked uh, whenever this is like severe backtracking, but I, I didn't want to skip over it because it was a really well shot scene. Yeah. Uh, there's a moment where our main character goes back to her house after she is widowed and left without her pregnancy. She thinks somebody is trying to get in the house. She is running through, slamming all the doors shut, closing all the curtains. And the shot. way that, yes, that top shot following her. Argento whole, feels a lot like yeah. Argento. She feels like she is trapped. It's like watching a mouse in a maze. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, where's the cheese? Where's yeah. the monster? Yeah. No. And that's what I'm saying is like, there's so many great set pieces and that's the other thing and that's maybe the other reason why I compare it to Argento's stuff is that Argento is a man of set pieces I don't think there's I mean he's great at it right I don't think anybody would argue that he loosely comes up with a plot but mainly comes up with set sequences yeah. and set pieces and that's what I love about this is like it's all over the fucking map it does make sense by the time you get to the, to the end of it but there's also these like very elaborate technical set pieces within the film that are like, Oh fuck, that reminds me of Argento. That reminds me of whatever. And I love that even though like, like I said earlier, I feel like the basket case thing is maybe a little lazy. I'm not dismissing it because I think that's the whole point of this movie is for horror fans to watch it. And he's like, Oh yeah, I like this, 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 right. you pick out which one's, you think this is like more than likely I had it in the back of my brain, but you know, it, it's that type of movie where it makes a recall to the history of horror. And yeah. that's another reason why I love it. That's a good way to put it. I mean, it's just, I think the, one of the interesting things is all the fight scenes. Like it's like literally like watching the, cop, the Yeah. The it's like watching the crow kind of, or something like I, you have this vigilante slash, you know, I, I don't so know. So when he's going through the underground, oh, that yeah, reminds dude. you of the crow. Oh, and then that, that whole Seattle like underground thing. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know about that. that. That's cool. amazing. That's yeah. really cool. And that's a real thing. I don't know like if it looks like that, but right. I know there is a Seattle underground, but like a city below. 
below. set pieces, man. Yeah. It's all yeah. about set pieces. I that is totally right. And I just watched Deep Red, so I should totally in, under, look, understand. This is a convoluted story with set pieces. There you go. I still haven't figured out if it's all CG, but the scene where Gabriel comes to the cop station, mm-hmm. which is also can we another Argento thing like this huge fucking cop station that, that has a cool like, building like yeah. uh, the windows with like crossbars on it. Very elaborate set, but also a very big empty set in a weird way. I, I was just like, you don't really see this in movies that much anymore. This is another recall to the 90s genre films, I think, too. Is it Gotham City? Yeah, <laughs> it's like before before movies started getting into like more clerical uh, police work like mm-hmm. oh i'm a i'm a detective at a desk you know just answering the phone there was a moment of time where you could look at like these thrillers like uh along came a spider kiss the girls stuff mm. like that where like they have these wide angle shots and it's a hu- it's just showing off a huge essentially a set with like whited out windows mm-hmm. like frosted windows that's what it it just makes a lot of callbacks and i'm sorry if i'm just like kind of referencing all that but that's that's what I think is great about this movie that it does make those callbacks. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. Overall, um, I liked it. Okay, so you overall, liked it. I liked it. There were some problematic things, but I think for but us do you not think it's a, a highlight of, of the year? I guess mm. maybe. Oh. I don't know. The year's not over yet. That's true. Yeah, year is not there's, over yet. There's a couple of really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Overall, I thought it was fun Coming though. Up. I liked it. Yeah, I like I liked it, and I think I was harder on it than I should have been. Well, you also just watched it, what, like uh, two hours four, ago, pretty much? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved it, and I want to see it in theaters, because I feel like the sound plays a big part in this movie. 100%. Absolutely. And even though we had our sound bar up super loud, I mean, it scared the shit out of our cat. I had it at max. <laughs> okay, yeah. can I, so, about the sound. Yeah. So, they would have, like, the most, like, menial conversation about something, and then all of a sudden a very, very drastic sound would start, and I'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. That's weird. But it also kind of does if you, like, think of jump scares in horror, too. Yeah. You know what doesn't make sense? <laughs> what? How the doctor informed the detective at the beginning oh, that the main yeah. character had had three prior miscarriages, or this was her third. Yeah. There would have been no fucking reason for the doctor to right. tell the detective that. So that is a violation of uh, her yeah. right, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> Second of all, it's fucking unnecessary. It has yeah. nothing to do with anything. No, I and agree. And then the sister's reaction sorry but that would have been a lot more devastating to find out that your sister had gone through so much horrible shit i think there would have been some tears a little more reaction but instead at least she got into the bed and held her sister who was catatonic yeah but i would have expected so much more because her sister is a very animated actor type you would think there would have been. Yeah, more. she's literally a princess. Yeah, she's a birthday princess for parties land. <laughs> if you can see it in theaters, do it. If you can't, turn your soundbar up to max because I mean it plays a big role yeah. in it. And stick with it because it is a fantastic film. You'll just find all little things in there that you don't. I feel like it's a more than a one time watch because there's probably things yeah. that I didn't even catch the first time. I feel like I could watch it one more time and still catch yeah, more stuff. Same. So it's one I would already like to revisit. Yeah. And I do think so. So far, it's one of my top of the year, but like you said, the year's not over yet. Right, and yeah. there's a lot of good films that, that are coming out that I want to see. So I can't say if it's going to make the top, but I right. enjoy it. Definitely yeah. watch it in a dark room, though. Yes. Yeah. All yeah, lights yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I, I waited until night, cranked up the sound bar. <laughs> 
I, I always wonder how loud it is. To should, like neighbors? I should just like go outside and see like what the fuck's happening. So if I watch something with a lot of screaming, maybe I should turn it down. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you, like I said earlier, you know, if you can see this on the biggest screen possible and as loud as possible, that's the way to do it. Um, is everybody all wrapped up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the last thing I, I just wrote something that, like I said, I, I don't know if I want to do an article because, ooh, that is the last thing. So do you think people dipped out early on? Like I like we were talking about earlier um, where people dipped out 15, 20 minutes into the movie. Do you think it was maybe more of a reaction to the setup or do you think? It could have easily been people who are like, I'm not going to deal with this yeah. uh, topic right now. Yeah, there's a lot of triggering moments in the beginning, especially for women. So I could see why that I could would see be that. a good, so, yeah. like, I was I already not in the this. best mood when we started right. watching this movie, to be perfectly Were you going to cuss and me then out? All of this, like, <laughs> terrible stuff started happening like, to fucking this. Fucking Andy! To this woman, and I was just like, "Wow, this! I feel great right now." Yeah. <laughs> Although the people that left in my screening, that was like before the opening credits were done. So, oh wow, before that, maybe they were just like, "Oh, this is no the wrong guy. movie." Yeah. <laughs> like, this is too corny. That's what it. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And I, I do love that kind of cold open because yeah. that, that to me feels like early 2000s, like run oh, amok yeah. sort of shit. Especially like the way the music was playing yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have like all these dolly shots. Anyway, like I, I would love to maybe do a future commentary of this if we ever wanted to do a fan commentary. Uh, commentary. I know we talked about Once it. you get something set up to where we have yeah. our mics on the couch. I think that would be cool. I'm down. Okay. Patreon. Yeah, I uh just to look over the year and review, I mean technically the highest rated horror movie I have right now is Possessor, but it came out mm. last but year. But that was last oh. but I didn't see it till this you know, because like yeah, it didn't yeah, come yeah. till streaming till this year. Yeah. So uh but, I mean look, it's not a perfect movie. Don't get me wrong, but it's definitely a four star Maybe four and a half, the more and more I think about it. Just for me, again, very divisive film. I don't think everybody's going to feel this way. I wish it had a tighter script. I could get that. Yeah, yeah. What I feel like, yeah, definitely. But it also, or in, not, in a weird way, it kind of works for what unfolds, right? Yeah. I Yeah, I'm torn. I mean, I it's kind of scatterbrained I like, by design. I like the story. I want a better script with different actors who I, I won't remember these actors in two weeks. I really won't. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I kind of buy that too. Like it's just, and that's fine. Maybe that was the point. Like these are interchangeable characters that make sense because this is such a dynamic story. And I don't know. I remember I, I made a comment online somewhere and I said, Oh, you know, that scene when Madison does this and people are like, her name was Emily. I'm like, I started second guessing myself. Oh yeah. <laughs> because I was like, Oh, am I wrong? And then I looked, I'm like, Oh, that's, it's both her names. Fuck you. <laughs> but you know, like I will say that the characters are not as strong in a typical horror movie, yeah. but I think everything else that surrounds it kind of outshines it. But again, if you are a stickler for having like greatly written characters or like characters with maybe more sympathetic, um, Values or uh, it's just, attributes. It's got say. very heavy tones, and I yeah. think it needs some either better uh, connection, like empathy points with the characters, and or even a little bit more humor. Like even though because some like, levity, some, mm -hmm. something to just lighten the mood. I think because it's just so heavy with like you're dealing with like I mean 
that's why I think, like we said, a lot of people, like especially women, would probably leave at the beginning of the yeah. movie. It's some very heavy tones, you know, uh, spouse abuse and also miscarriages. You know, it's not something people like watching movies no. about. Probably. Yeah, but I mean, on the same token, like horror sometimes tests the boundaries. Sure, but I just think because it goes so off the rails with like it's not you'll never figure out what this movie's going to end up being i think adding some humor elements would have been okay and there is times where it's like is this supposed to be funny yeah yeah. because it's especially like the jail scene it's like what yeah yeah it's the the radio dj from (laughs) (laughs) scooby-doo yeah so um malignant for me is the result of the fluorescent lit breeding ground of social outcasts and heshers in the horror section of the video story it is the dream film you would hope to be able to rent back in those days when you already blew through the euro horror films of the past few months mixed in with modern horror and thrillers of the late 90s and early or really through the mid 2000s. It's 100% a blender film. I've already said that. Uh, while early reviews called this a giallo homage, it is solely not that. And I think that's the most important thing about Malignant is it's not solely one movie. It cannot be referenced just the one movie. I think it's a it's a, a result of multiple things. Throw in convoluted plots containing mystery of Dario Argento, some 70s paranoia films like Sisters and Repulsion, mm. with lightly peppered helping of Hong Kong fighting, a dash of <laughs> modern horror's use of contortionist playing creatures, and a splash of haunted house visual tropes while viewing the concoction through the lens of a projector showing a Mario Bava film, and you'll understand this film. That's what I wrote. Well said. So, yeah, anyway. that's, well, that's well said. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend it. And I think, you know, if you're a horror fan, you should definitely check it out. Look, mm-hmm. it's approaching spooky. Uh, shit, today, first day of October, spooky Yay! season. So, uh, Andy finished a book. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I'll, I'll reveal on Twitter. You can follow me at Treefy, T R I E F Y, if I finish the book or not. But anyway, before we get into that, Patrick, where can people find you? Find me on Twitter at Max Rebo Rules and Instagram at Patakin Skywalker. You can find me on Instagram as Rinstelgram. You can find me on Instagram, Letterboxd, and Facebook at Niles Maddox22. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as Luna Maria 87 and Nerdy Collector Luna on Instagram. Cool. And you can find me at Treefy, T-R-I-E-F-Y on Instagram, um, Twitter, anywhere, pretty much Letterboxd. Uh, you can find us collective on Twitter at DTB Horror, on Instagram at Destroy the Brain, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Destroy the Brain. Also our group on Facebook facebook.com slash groups slash DTB podcast. Join our discord at discord.destroythebrain.com. One thing that I do want to mention is on Twitter, we asked what people's thoughts are on, um, malignant and james dean who actually recently directed a film that played at skyview in belleville last week fontaine and the vengeful nun who wouldn't die uh i had the pleasure of meeting him saturday night anyway he said that uh it was pretty bad shit crazy james wan was having a lot of fun with this one not everything worked for me but overall i enjoyed it and i think that's probably the general consensus right so uh again horror trivia night october 14th at the heavy anchor Late Night Grindhouse, 
presents tales from the crypt presents demon nights <laughs> on october 15th and 16th and uh horror trivia night tickets are ten dollars per team again horrortrivianight.com to sign up late night grindhouse is eight dollars and you can buy those tickets hopefully now on marcustheaters.com or through the marcus theaters app and we look forward to seeing you hopefully one of those things or both of those things uh killer track i'm just gonna do where's my mind by safari right because that seemed to be the takeaway for everybody. yeah that's a good one so and, anyway and oh what? send us your spooky stories oh yeah last thing before we close it out uh send us your spooky stories we mentioned this on the last episode we're gonna do a october halloween episode where everybody kind of tells the scariest thing that happened to them and we want to hear from you uh you'll probably see some stuff on instagram as well um we're really wanting you guys to chime in you can do it privately through email at podcast at destroythebrain.com you could do it through our dms on instagram or twitter whatever it takes to get you to tell us your spookiest story hell if you want to even record your voice telling the story i'm i might be down for that just get with me and uh we'll figure it out but we want to release the spooky stare stories for the, like the midnight society or do we say the late night society Ooh, wait, wait i have Ooh, it i like down. the late night oh, society i have it, I have it written Ooh. down i have society. it one second we said, we said, late night society, storytelling in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to get on this episode, we want to release it around October. So get to cracking. Thank you guys very much. And uh, we'll see you next time. Adios. Bye. Bye. Where is my mind?